Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the All 22 Podcast. Ray, you got a smirk on your face, but uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I am exhausted, Ray. I don't know why you didn't tell me this dad stuff's hard, but shout out to all the dads. If you're a dad out here listening to All 22, props to you. This stuff's hard. It And it doesn't get easy. You just get numb, used to it, you know, whatever. Sweet. You, you learn to function at this level, and it's it's kind of great. I'm here for it. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm here for it. But a big, big day yesterday with the Raiders just absolutely destroying the Chargers. And I think the only thing to talk about with that, really, because there's not much to talk about, is one, welcome everybody to the playoffs. If you made it to the All 22 playoffs, shout out to you. Uh, Ray's going to give you a couple words of advice, but also the Brandon Staley firing. So that's pretty big news. I'm honestly thinking it's the right move for the Chargers. You know, I think. They've given him now, what is it, four years with Justin Herbert to figure it out, and he just hasn't done it. There's rumors that that might be a landing, sp- landing space for Bill Belichick, so you have to think that there are. it is an attractive place for people. It's obviously L.A., which is sweet, but I uh, want to hear your thoughts, Ray. Yeah, uh, that was that's a heck of a way to go out, uh, giving up 50, 63 points to the Raiders of all teams. But um yeah, for, first one, I think it, it's actually kind of sad in the sense that like the first NFL coach getting fired just means we're pretty close to the end of the season, and that's always tough. Um, but it had to be done. It was things were stale for a while. I did kind of try to tell people at, before the start of the season that Kellen Moore's good, he's fine, but he's not this savior you expect him to be. If you have issues in that organization or with that team or on that roster, they will still be there and they will still crop up. And it just all kind of fell apart just from the top down uh, throughout this season. So yeah, it was obvious that, that he had to go. Don't, don't let it linger any longer. Uh, And then we'll see how it goes. I mean, the, the whole candidate thing with, Oh, Bill Belichick landing spot because of the, the whole scuttlebutt about, that mutual parting of ways after the end of the year that might take place. The thing with that is I think after going with a, a defensive coach and having it not work out with someone like Brandon Staley, a lot of times you will then sort of pivot and go the opposite, right? You will, uh, if, if you had a defensive head coach and it didn't work out, you're going to try to rejuvenate things and freshen things up by bringing in an offensive minded uh, coach and kind of shaking things up that way. Now, if they still, you know, have a high opinion of Kellen Moore and kind of want to keep him around, maybe that's kind of how they position themselves to still go out and get a defensive-minded coach. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I, I think it would just be weird to see Belichick in Chargers gear. That's just it's not right. Like cut off hoodies, sleeveless hoodies in LA. It's just I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a. He's not an LA guy. It's just a weird fit overall. So I, I would I would rather not see that if I could help it. No, for sure. And I mean, we can save some of this conversation for when we discussed what we would do as GM of the Chargers. But yeah, I think the Kellen Moore thing is interesting because to your point, he was heralded as the guy that's going to go and get the most out of Justin Herbert. 
their offense looks worse and the Cowboys look a lot better. So might be something to that. Um, but that is a good transition to the Patriots, but I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it because you need to give the people <laughs> that have made it to the playoffs in all 22 some words of advice. Yeah. You watched the game last night, right? And so if you're in the all 22 playoffs, right, Chris and I could have painstakingly spent hours trying to find these matchups uh, for given players at high value positions for your start sit decisions for the first round of the playoffs, because it's do or die and it's crunch time. And it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that it always comes back to just play your guys and stick to your guns and play your best players, even if the matchup might not be advantageous. I really jumped on this when we talked about quarterbacks, but the same goes pretty much everywhere else too, right? If you are someone who is of the mindset or just the roster position, like many of us probably are in that we don't have just bona fide two or three every week starter linebackers, no doubt about it, never think about it, right? If you were looking at that and trying to play matchup and Kenneth Murray was maybe your fifth linebacker, but you thought because he was going up against Aiden O'Connell and a Raiders offense that couldn't do anything the week before, and you thought that, that was going to work out well, um, that really backfired for you uh, last night and is not a good start to your playoff matchup, right? So no matter how much research we do and how much we we think we know, and obviously that that stuff does eventually make a difference over time, right? When it comes down to it and it's really crunch time, just play your guys and always go with just the best player and don't get too caught up in the matchups because it could burn you if you are hypothetically, of course, someone who started Kenneth Murray at linebacker because he was playing the Raiders last night. We all see how that worked out. So best of luck in the playoffs and we'll see you on the other side. You're muted, Chris. Host muted. That was brutal. If I was gonna, I was gonna say something really rude too. I was gonna be like, if you're like me and unlike Ray, you're not even worried about that because you have a buy, right? Um, but oh, okay, yeah. tough guy. <laughs> but all right, let's let's use the transition now. The Patriots currently have the number two pick. That's where they're sitting currently. So they are the next team that we want to talk about. As if we were the GM, being the GM, how would we handle this offseason as Patriots GM? So with that, the first thing I want to talk about, right, we kind of learned from last time the structure of how we should do this. Let's do it in kind of chron chronological order of how the offseason goes. The first thing we would have to decide is on coach. So you kind of teased it before, but I want to hear your thoughts on Bill Belichick this year. Yeah, I think I think it's the right time to make a move to part ways, to be totally honest. It's been 24 years, which in the NFL is an absolute eternity nowadays. Um you know, it's just one of those things. Things were things were great for two plus decades, basically. He had a great run. I do think really what it comes down to and is that Belichick, the GM, is holding back some of what Belichick, the coach, is able to accomplish. It's just too much on one plate. He's obviously, he's still a fantastic coach. You give him time. And when you really look at just the the personnel, especially on the defensive side of the ball that he has to deal with and what he still kind of puts out there and that defensive output, the guy can still coach. He's, he's phenomenal. Um, but the whole coach plus GM type structure there right now is just not quite working out. You're obviously going to go into a new era with a new franchise quarterback and you're kind of not starting from scratch, but you're entering a rebuild and that takes time. 
and you want someone that is there for the long haul. He's been there for 24 years. He's getting up there in age. It's just a natural time to part ways. And I think if you're starting from the very top and starting at square one, I think this is the time to make that move. So you do have fresh blood in there who can bring in their own guys for the rebuild, select their quarterback and, and go from there. I have such a hard time saying it's time to move on from hall of fame coach. Like I really do have a hard time doing that. And I, and I wonder if there is a universe where he would give up, give up the GM role, right? Cause I, you're, you're spot on, right? Bill Belichick, the coach, without the GM's position, is probably still leading that team to, to amazing seasons year after year. But the GM role is destroying this team, right? When you look at the talent on this roster, there's, there's, there's not a lot to be excited about. So, you know, you, you can't blame anybody but Bill for that, right? He, he took that on himself. He wanted that opportunity to be coach GM. And now it's kind of biting that entire organization in the ass. And I'm sitting here saying, is that really enough to, to walk away from what could be the best coach of all time, right? And I think if there is a team out there crazy enough to say, like, I'll give you two first-round picks for Bill, you take the deal, right? And I don't, I don't know if there's a, there's a head coach maybe besides Kyle Shanahan that's worth two first-round picks, right? That would, that would increase your team more than two first-round picks would. But, you know, I think Bill being, like, if he's going to that situation, he's probably going to be the GM. So who's who's doing that move, right? I think it's kind of like this weird catch-22. I don't know how it would work. Um, but okay, so you're moving on from Bill. I think I'm going to agree with you, but I think it's got to be like the most celebrated way you could ever move on from a coach. You got to like high-five him, make sure he, you know, he's getting to go where he wants to go and you're doing everything right for him and his family. So coach is gone. I think the next thing I'm doing, right, I'm the new GM looking for a coach. I'm probably looking for the offensive-minded coach in this situation, right? To your point, you did the defensive thing for a long time. Time to do the offensive thing. And the reason in this situation in particular I'm okay with the offensive thing is because I don't really see a lot of talent on either side of the ball. So if I have to build one in today's NFL, I'm going to build the offensive side first because it is the most important with the quarterback, right? So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to try to find that coach. And we haven't been looking at coaches and talking about coaches. I don't want to do that. So the next thing I'm doing is I'm looking at my roster up and down and I'm saying, what do I like and what don't I like? So when I look at the Patriots roster, the, the DB group stuck out to me as probably their biggest strength, right? They have Peppers, Duggar, they have Jones, Marcus Jones, and Christian Gonzalez. Like it's a, it's a solid group. It's pretty deep, uh, you know, young, young enough where you could ride with it for a few years. Guys are under contract besides uh, Duggar for a while. It's a, it's a pretty good group. And then you, you keep going, right? The linebacker group is it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. So you want to keep that going. You have Barmore and you have White from the last few drafts. And that, you know, is a decent foundation for a front. No star power, but it's it's not terrible. So you look at that defensive group and you're like, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's probably a few pieces away from actually being good, but it's, it's good enough, right? Like now I have the number two overall pick. I'm probably going to have that for a few years. I'm going to have enough picks where I could get guys on that defensive group. So that's, to me, that's a positive. Then I think, you know, the foundation of that offensive line where you have Brown at left tackle, you know, Cole Strange, nobody really likes Cole Strange. Everybody's kind of sitting here going, you know, that, that pick was out of left field, but you, you look at Bill Belichick and he's able to do things with players like that. So maybe that's okay, but probably not. But, but Brown has been doing well at left tackle. You have a good center in Andrews. And you have on Wino at guard, right? So those are your three pieces on the offensive line that you probably want to try to keep around. 
So when I look at the team, that's the strengths. Then what don't I like, right? The, the, the biggest needs that we talk about, right? The, the most important positions, quarterback, receiver, tackle, edge, corner. Like besides corner, that's a rough group for the, for the Patriots. So when you look at the most important positions, right? They don't have the quarterback of the future. They probably have the worst receiver court in the NFL. And they're probably a stud tackle away of having an, a, like a good offensive line. So those are like the biggest needs. But I think the real biggest need when I look at this team, there's not a single blue chip player on this team, right? When you go up and down the roster, I think Michael Onwenu maybe be, might be the only one that I look at and go, when he's at his best, he's probably blue chip at this point in time. And he's playing out of position right now. I mean, he's at tackle right he's now. He's playing tackle he's right best now. He's at guard. playing guard, right. So I don't know what to do with that, but Ray, do you, do you have any other things that you like about this roster that you don't like? Um, no, I mean, it's what she said is pretty much on point. I would say not that I like it, but the offensive line was a bit better than I thought going in, in the sense that, like you said, none of them are fantastic when you consider that on Wien who's playing out of position. And, but, but it's enough to where we know we're going to get a young quarterback in here for next season. We're going to address that position um, for, for the future of our franchise. And it's not something that I'm scared of putting a young quarterback behind. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's, it's, it's middle of the pack and that's perfectly fine. And that's even considering, and you know, this, I, cannot stand it makes my skin crawl to have someone like michael on playing out of position i hate taking 10 out of 10 guards and putting them outside a tackle so they can be 6.5 out of 10 tackles it is one of my least favorite things in in the world in the in the in the world i would rather change diapers in the middle of the night than have to do that but considering that even right you at least go across the board and go, okay, this is serviceable. This is playable. I can play a game on Sunday with this lineup when you go left to right with Brown, Strange, Andrews, City So, who before this past season we were going through the NFL draft, we we mentioned this as a guy to look out for. Now he's starting at guard and on we knew at right tackle. So they actually have Antonio uh, Mafi too, who I liked. Yeah, I liked him a yeah. lot. No, he's not doing a lot right now, but it could be a good mm -hmm. future piece for them. But continue. Right, exactly. So they have even that depth on the interior to where, as much as I would like to take someone like Anwinu, put him back inside where he's best, even I can admit that probably not something we can realistically do. Um, I do think they're going to have to address uh, you know, something like edge rusher in the future as well to get some blue chip guys there. Some people liked Keon White. I thought he was okay. Josh Uche uh, has not panned out the way I thought even he would. Uh, in the league, but you can't fix all those holes at once in one offseason. And obviously the quarterback is going to be paramount this offseason. And with that, everything around him, which goes back again to the whole stylistic uh, sort of future that you want to build here, transitioning to maybe a more offensive minded head coach. You're going to build that offense up first, understanding that, Hey, we're probably still not a playoff team in 2024, but we'd rather lose games 38 to 27 than 16 to nine. Right. Sure. Um, so yeah, roster wise, I think you pretty much hit all the points. Just, I would just like to say, let's give a little bit of credit to that offensive line because they're probably playing better than most people thought they would when you looked at them on paper, given what's transpired. That's a good point. Yeah. And I agree with it. I think, so the next thing that we would do is we'd start looking at the roster and saying, 
who are the players hitting free agency that I want to keep, trade, cut, you know, like tag? What, what am I doing? The issue is and we knew and Trent Brown are free agents, right? So you're going into this offseason with your only blue chip player that you have on your roster and the left tackle that's been really good for you and honestly not good for anybody else when he's left the Patriots, right? It's only been really good for you, but he's he's set to be a free agent, right? So you're one of your only strengths that you have on this team might become a weakness very, very quickly if you don't do something about it. Uh, PFF Brad, he had just released his like top 50 free agents. And what one cool thing that he did is he kind of put the expected contract salary of those players. So just for context, Trent Brown, he has him making about $10 million a year on like a two or three year deal. And then Michael Onwenu might get that three, four year deal with about 15 million per year. Obviously, again, he's he's one of the top guards in the NFL. So he's a guy that's going to make premium money, even at a not premium position. And then the only other guy, Kyle Duggar, 27 years old, has been good, not the best player in the world, but he's a good, solid player for them. So me being the GM again, I think if I cannot convince Onwenu to stay on a long-term deal, which I will give him if he's willing to take it, I'm putting the tag on him uh, just because we need him to stick around, right? You can't take your only blue chip player and just lose him for nothing, right? So got to figure out a way to either keep him or get value out of him by trading him if he really doesn't want to be there. I don't see a reason why he wouldn't want to be there. Um, because again, offensive linemen typically like to stay at the place that they were drafted. They do get paid well if they are um, consistent, right? Because teams don't like to lose their stud offensive linemen not for obvious reasons. So first thing I'm doing is I'm tagging on Wino, trying to get him on a long-term deal if I can. I'm going to bring Trent Brown back, but I think I could get him for, for a better deal than the 10 mil per year because of the fact that he's not good at, with anybody else but us. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, I think other teams will be a bit gun shy about giving him the bag because it, it's proven not to work out, right? Packers got him back. Uh, sorry, Patriots got him back for almost nothing. So I think, you know, it shows what other teams kind of value him as. So I think you could get him maybe for that six, seven, eight million a year range instead of the 10 mil. And I like that a lot. Give him two years, 8 million, 16 million. I think you can do that. And then give on Winu the 15 million a year that he's asking for and just be happy that you have a blue chip player on your team. Kyle Duggar, I don't really know what a guy like him is going to ask for, but I can bring him back, right? Uh, good thing for the Patriots, they have about $79.3 million in cap space projected going into this year. So if you bring back those three guys on the deals that I said, maybe you're out $30 million a year. So you still have about 40 to play with in free agency. That mirrors a lot of, of, of how I approached uh, free agency for this team. Because again, you have to keep that line intact for the quarterback. Everything is around the quarterback. This is a quarterback-centric rebuild uh, for this offseason. So yes, I I kept uh, Trent Brown. I extended on Wienu. And in my world here, Duggar actually was being unreasonable, and we let him walk and use some of that money to ensure that we brought back on Wienu and didn't lose him in, in, in free agency. So um, the other thing too is you do have the franchise tag for for Brown if worse comes to worse if 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 he is maybe trying to play a bit of a leverage game uh, maybe that's something you can you know you can use as well but yeah I think you bring back Brown you bring back on Wienu and we're we gonna get into external free agents now or yeah that's or next. just talk okay yeah so which, I think internally we're in line um, again all quarterback friendly and then maybe plug a hole here or there. But for the most part, it's all quarterback friendly. So we made a big splash uh, 
in free agency and signed Michael Pittman for four years, $90 million. Uh, that is according to the spot track uh, market value for wide receiver. Get, get, we have to address it. It's maybe the worst position group on a weak roster. And, uh, you know, with, with Indianapolis and they have ownership issues themselves and there's some upheaval there. Pittman might be someone who, who comes available. So, uh, you go out and you make that move, get a big body target for your future quarterback. Uh, that puts him right around eighth in the league for average annual salary, uh, at what is that 22 and some change million per year. I think that's about right. Help your rookie quarterback. You make a splash, get people excited, um, and then uh, you you have the start of what you will build as a wide receiver core moving forward. But that's that's the big splash is is Michael Pittman at wide receiver. And then on defense, uh, nothing crazy, not a big signing. But when you look at uh, Baltimore with uh, Matt Abike and Travis Jones, I don't think Michael Pierce, who is set to hit free agency, will be back there for 2024. So we signed him for you know one or two years as a stout run defender alongside Christian Barmore, who is not that and really never has been, even though he looks like that guy. Um, so those are really the two standout moves that we make in external free agency and wide receiver and defense interior. Okay, I love that. So I, I took a different approach. And uh, part of the reason is if you look up what the Patriots are currently paying Devontae Parker and Juju Smith, it's going to make your skin crawl. Like for, for a team that has the worst receiving core in the NFL, they're paying a lot of money for two very mediocre receivers. Uh, and that's to me, that's a problem, right? So I don't know if I want to go like I like Michael Pittman. I like <laughs> Michael Pittman, but he's he's not in my opinion, a difference maker that's going to take your team from, or it's going to erase the problem, right? It, he's not a problem eraser. And I think also it's like, I, I don't know if this team is going to be ready to win in a year or two years, but I want to make it at least palatable for the next quarterback that steps in here. And I kind of like the way the Texans approached it, where they had Nico Collins, they got their quarterback and they drafted Tank Dell, right? And they said for a year, this is going to be what we throw out there. They had Robert Woods, right? kind of like a Devontae Parker-esque, you know, like just older veteran guy for the locker room. But they didn't put a lot of assets into the receiver group. What they did is they went and put a lot of assets into the offensive line for their young rookie quarterback. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I know you had Robert Hunt going somewhere else, but in my universe here, I think you you achieve two things by adding Robert Hunt, right? You pair Robert Hunt with Michael Onwenu and you have your guards for the future for maybe the next five years, six years, and you're excited about that. You have Trent Brown, you have Andrews at center, and your offensive line is looking way better, right? Besides that, you take a huge strength away from your top competitor right now. Maybe the Bills at the top, but maybe your second competitor in the Dolphins, right? You're, you're removing him from the Dolphins. Um, so I really like doing that. So I'm not the guy that wants to add the guards, right? I said, I'll do that later. But I think in the situation where you're adding a rookie quarterback, you want to show up the offensive line, and it's also taking away from your competitor, I think it's a win-win. I liked you adding a defensive interior. I think I would do that too. But I would also, because the the Patriots have so much money right now and I'm not going and getting a Michael Pittman, I want to go and add an edge rusher because there are a lot of good edge rushers in this draft or excuse me, in this uh, free agency class. So there's a lot of guys for me to choose from. And I think you can go a few different ways because the winning window for this team is so far away in my mind. I went with some of the older guys 
I don't think adding a Josh Allen who is set to be a free agent is the the smartest move because yes, he's going to be good and he's going to help elevate your team higher than some of these older guys will. But when you have to, you know, by the time you're ready to be good again, three years from now, his contract might be expiring. He might be, you know, getting a little older. Do you want to bring him back at that point? And I don't know if it really works out, right? You're spending all this money on a guy that isn't really going to help you in the long term. So what I went and did is I said, give me Daniil Hunter on a, you know, on a three-year deal, pay him good money um, and just, just expect that he, he helps the situation. He's a leader in that locker room for that defense. He's an explosive playmaker for that team. And then when his deal's done, you let him leave, right? He's, he's going to be like 30 years old in a year or two and you just let him go. Right. And, and your defense then maybe isn't as much of a problem as it was this year. And, um, it's something that a young quarterback can kind of depend on. And I like that, right? I like investing in the offense through the draft, maybe sure up the offensive line, but sign a couple free agents on the defense just to make it good enough that your quarterback doesn't have to worry about it, that the quarterback you know, knows that he's going to have an opportunity some games to get out there and play good football. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. I'm bringing in Daniil Hunter. I'm bringing in Robert Hunt, adding the defensive interior like you. And I'm, I'm maxing out my contracts, right? Like I want to use all $79 million to make this team better. And I think Robert Kraft is an owner that'll sign off on that. I'm not sure you set out to fix the Patriots so much as so just make me root for them on Sundays because you know those are like two of my favorite players at their positions, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Hunter and Robert Hunt. Uh, Mellon has original picks there. Um, but yeah, I, I, that all makes sense, right? Um, again, that, that veteran presence. And you're right about the timeline in the sense that you're not not contending for a Super Bowl in 2024 or five, probably 2026 right? Is maybe the first year you can realistically, maybe depending on your rebuild, say, all right, we're going to gun for the playoffs and really make a, make a, try to make a run, so to speak. Right. But realistically, you're going to have three years of, of, of building, of incubating that roster. And then you want to be primed for a run thereafter 2027 and beyond. Um, so that, that th- those moves align with that. So I, I, I dig it. I'm on board with it. Cool. So I had as my next note about trading away, like, are there players that you would trade away if you were the Patriots GM? And my note is, I don't think there's anything valuable enough for you to trade away to get <laughs> value back. That would be helpful, right? Like if you could dump Devonte Parker on somebody, God bless Juju, God bless. But like, I just don't think it's going to be possible. I don't think teams want that contract. So it's yeah. kind of where you I'll load up on some six round picks for some players and, you know, yeah. maybe hit on another on we knew. Um, but if you were listening to us before that draft, I would have told you not to wait till the sixth round to draft on. We knew, but anyway, yeah, I mean, there's, those are going to be some moves that are kind of ancillary that are always made that, you know, we don't necessarily get into in this, in this sort of exercise, but yeah, that that's always out there. And there's always going to be some players flipped uh, for some late rounders, you know, some contract considerations and such, but by and large, these are sort of the core moves and core philosophies that are going to drive the rebuild for the next, you know, three plus years. Okay. So anything else before we jump into what you would do in the draft? That's the best part of this whole thing. Go for it. Let's go. Let's hear it. I'm in. All right. I'll, uh, I I think we're in agreement here. Well, actually I don't know if we're in agreement as a matter of fact, but okay. The draft comes currently uh, as we sit here, December 15th, the Patriots are projected to have the number two overall pick in the draft. We need a quarterback. Caleb Williams is going first. We're taking Drake may second overall. I don't recall. I think, did we mention the Patriots for Drake may? I feel like we mentioned them during the Drake may episode. I think so. Uh, 
and I, at that time, if, 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 and when we did, I didn't even realize Patriots were projected at second. Um, but yeah, so Drake may is the selection first or excuse me, second overall in the first round by the Patriots. Again, new era. Uh, we need our quarterback moving forward, a franchise quarterback. We've been kind of meandering without one since Brady left. We thought we had one in Mac Jones. We didn't, uh, some guy named Bailey Zappi was never going to be the franchise quarterback. Uh, so here's our swing at it, right? We take Drake may kind of looks like a Patriots quarterback if you ask me. So it kind of fits not much else to really discuss there. I think, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, uh, there second round. So top of the second round, do you want to do, uh, do, you want again, me to do my first round before we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's go back and forth. Yeah. Let All me hear your first rounder. So, so like, you're right. I think that's a great thing to do if you're the Patriots. Oh boy. I also think they have a lot of like, when, again, when we talk about a team that all of their holes and major holes in the Patriots case are at all of your important positions, I have a really hard time just picking the quarterback because the quarterback's going to go there and it's going to be really hard for him to be successful. Right. And it's, it's also, even if he is successful, look at like the chargers, right? Like even if he is successful, is the team going to be successful? And that's kind of what I look at and I go, yeah, they could add Drake may and, maybe he's good. And like we said, we're trying to make the offensive line good so that at least he can sit back and throw the football. But I think that there is an interesting kind of game you can play with the Patriots. If you're the GM where you go, how much would it take me to move from two to one to convince the bears that Justin Fields is good enough to keep. And you go get a like an actual difference maker, right? Like when you talk about these quarterbacks, we've talked about how we think Caleb Williams is good enough to be, a difference maker on a team that maybe he adds a couple wins. Maybe he's literally worth two or three wins for a team where I kind of talked about Drake may being like middle of the pack quarterback in my mind, maybe slightly better than that. I don't know if he really adds wins to this football team. So is there like the first thing I'm doing right as GM, I'm not being lazy and just saying, okay, I'm sitting here and getting Drake may way like some people I'm saying, okay. what would it take for me to get to number one, to get Caleb Williams without like losing my future? Right. Because moving from two to one shouldn't cost. You're going to have to lose your future. I don't think it should cost me multiple years of first round picks to go from two to one. I think a lot of times to go from two to one, it's you, you pay obviously the number two pick, you pay a second this year, second next year, couple thirds. I don't know, but like, I'm willing to do that. Right. I don't want to get in the situation where I have to give multiple first round picks. So if it's going to take multiple first round picks, what I'm actually doing is I'm asking the giants what they would give me to move to two. And if the giants are willing to give me this year's first, next year's first, this year's second and next year's second, I'm taking that deal and I'm not drafting Drake may. So in my scenario, the giants are willing to take that deal. The, the Bears said, no, the Giants said, yes. I'm getting the fourth pick this year, an extra second round pick, and then an extra first round pick next year. And I'm drafting Fishanu. And I'm going to have Fishanu, Trent Brown, Anwinu, Robert Hunt, and Andrews on my offensive line so that when I find the quarterback, and it's probably going to be next year when I have those two first round picks, and it's maybe, you know, like a, I'll be in a better position with the quarterback than this year, I'm going to feel really good about that. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking the Giants. I'm taking on Wienu. My offensive line now is one of the top offensive lines in football, and I feel amazing about it. And uh, and I have a couple second-round picks to look forward to. So you're just that, – that's it? No more Cole Strange? You just gave up on Cole Strange? Guy you drafted in the first round a couple years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if that's even like uh, anything I have to worry about. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting rid of Cole Strange. 
there's a spider on my wall and I'm just being super cool about it, but there's a spider on my wall. I just want you to know that, Ray. I'm doing okay. this podcast. I'm keeping my cool. There's a spider a foot away from my head. I think that's just another one of your sort of delirious visions from sleep deprivation, similar to this trade that the giant sent you. But um, okay. Okay. That's different. So, yeah. okay. So then I think I'm up then because your next pick You're is up. in the second round. So we're going to have some different, some different things here. So uh, you're yeah, this, Drake we, Bay. yeah. What are you doing in the second round? Okay. So second round, remember I have Drake may. I, I also signed Michael Pittman jr. And now I'm going to go ahead in the second round and draft Jalen Polk, the wide receiver out of Washington. Okay. He's six, two, he's 200 pounds. He has good speed and he's really good after the catch. He's a quick player. He's, he's basically a three level player who can get you, you know, yards after catch and short routes can kind of beat you at the second level and is a legitimate deep threat. Uh, there are some other holes in his game, but by and large, a uh, good player. There's, there's Chris's alarm always goes off during the podcast. Um, and I think him and Pittman form a good tandem. And you do have Demario Douglas, who basically is the only wide receiver on the Patriots this season to actually show some competency, basically, in the slot. I think that's a really good trio to start with for a young quarterback and an offensive-minded head coach. So I'm taking Jalen Polk, wide receiver out of Washington. You probably have like three picks now before I'm up again. So, uh, I mean, yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So... I, I like that. I think that's a good a good move. I've kind of heard some things on other podcasts where guys I haven't watched this film myself, but I've heard he's kind of a big catch guy, does really well in that regard. So I like it. And I like what you did with that receiving room, right? You're trying to turn it over, trying to make it a strength for Drake May. Um I didn't get I didn't get the the receiver. I didn't sign Pittman and and I didn't uh, take one in the first round. Um, my offensive line is solid. I still don't have my quarterback. Maybe it's Mac Jones this year, unfortunately. Yeah, that's brutal, man. What that's brutal. World? But I now have two second-round picks, and the Giants are going to have 2-4, and I have 2-2. Two, two. So those are both very valuable second-round picks. And with that, I'm going to aim for a guy like Brian Thomas Jr., uh, LSU receiver. I'm going to try to add a guy like that. Or you know, if he's gone, which he might be at that point, one of the Texas receivers, right? Like we've talked about them as guys we like, but I do think you need to add a receiver as quickly as possible to this room. Um, and I'm doing that with my first of my second round picks. And I look at next year and I say, if I'm still a bad team with, if my Mac Jones is my quarterback, I probably am. My first pick should be bad enough where I can get a quarterback next year. And my second round pick, or excuse me, my second pick, which is the Giants pick will also probably be bad enough where I could get a really good receiver. Um, but I'm taking a receiver with my first pick. And then my second pick is actually going to be a quarterback. So I don't really care who it is at this point. Like, I again, I haven't watched all the film yet. But if you're telling me that Bo Nix is there, Michael Penix is there, J.J. McCarthy is there, maybe... Oh, gosh, don't take McCarthy. Maybe Jaden Daniels. Like, I don't know which one of those guys is going to be available to me. But if they are, pick one, right? Michael P Michael Penix, for example. I think there's a good likelihood that he's there in the early second round, probably not much later than that, but I think he's a guy that you could probably go and take there and you're throwing your hat in the ring saying, okay, I'm taking a chance on a guy like this. Maybe he ends up being right. Like Jalen hurts payoff, right. Where you get a second round quarterback that turns out to be a superstar. I'm, I'm going to try that. Right. And, and from my point of view, I would rather have that, you know, give, give a Michael Penix a chance to compete against Mac Jones. Maybe he gets the start. He has, you know, some rough receivers out there, but he's got one of the best offensive lines in football. And I think it's a foundation for him to play behind. 
And I really like doing that. So getting the receiver, getting the quarterback, got the offensive tackle. That's my first three picks. Wow. Um, okay. So essentially the, the Patriots front office, Take care of that spider while I'm talking here. But <laughs> I don't know what it is now. It's just oh, it's you're, you're 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 screwed. Um, it's December, by the way. It's really weird that you have one. Um, but so essentially, you're not sold on Drake May as the franchise guy. So because of that, you're trading out to some, for someone who is sold on him, being the Giants in this scenario, and going from there, and then going the second round quarterback route, which I get. I think at the end of the day, you need to drum up excitement. Uh, for a new coach. I don't think you can go in with Mac Jones as a starter uh, or Bailey Zappi as the starter for year one of a new head coach. I think you need something to get people not even just excited about because at the end of the day, sometimes at least to me, that stuff is kind of hollow. Like I, I don't, I don't care if you're excited to go, you know, seven and 10 instead of four and 13 or whatever the math is nowadays. But in the sense of at least, if if you feel like this quarterback has some potential and has a future, you got to get one in the door for a new coach. Um, so I get it, right? It, you're essentially, because you're not sold on Drake May, this is the path you're taking. Um, so with that, flipping back over, this is kind of like a Marvel, like DC thing, right? Just kind of going back and forth here between these. So um, it's now the third round and we lost Kyle Duggar in, in this scenario, right? And so I'm just taking Rod Moore from Michigan, the safety, uh, who who I kind of like here at the top of the third round. He's a good athlete who can kind of stay with slot receivers uh, and change directions pretty well. It's a little raw, not the most physical guy, but he is a coverage player and a good athlete at safety. And again, if this is we've spent enough. We had a big free agency signing on offense at receiver with Michael Pittman. We obviously drafted a quarterback, then we drafted a wide receiver. Got to do something now with the defensive side of the ball too. Uh, keep the defensive coaches in in our building happy here. Give them give them a good player in someone like Rod Moore on the back end of that defense. We talk about how we like the corners, especially if Christian Gonzalez is coming back healthy. So we take a young one here, Rod Moore from Michigan. We're not paying a free agency second you know deal um, or second contract level deal for someone like Duggar. So it's an economical move as well. So to kind of wrap it all up, because I think we just kind of do the first two days of the draft here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we upgraded our receivers for our franchise quarterback, kind of held steady on our offensive line by bringing back the pieces we currently have, uh, added um, you know, someone like Rod Moore on defense. So again, it's a type of offseason that's kind of like, it, it just stops the backslide that this franchise has been on for the last few years. They've just been sort of steadily declining and, and, and getting just, you know, steadily worse. So this feels like it just kind of stops that backslide, gets things turned around in the right direction, a bit of an inflection point, and now we can build around our quarterback and move forward from there. I like it. So, I mean, uh, I brought Duggar back in mind. So I actually went and got another receiver in Johnny Wilson. A lot of mocks that I saw had him available in the third round. I don't know if he will be, um, but if he is, I think, you know, that's an obvious choice. And I don't really care the style of receiver that I'm getting, you know, with the Patriots drafts because I think I just need the best ones available um, because they're, they're, they have nothing. They're essentially starting from scratch in that scenario. So I think just to wrap up kind of what I would do as GM of the Pat Patriots, it's find my head coach, bring back my offensive lineman, which is one of my only strengths, shore up the offensive lineman by making the trade with the Giants and drafting Fashanu, and then taking a receiver and a quarterback in the second round 
and be in a position where next year I have enough picks where I can definitely get my quarterback and maybe even a number one receiver. Okay. I mean, anything's better than what they're doing right now. So it's true. Yeah. All right. You want to switch gears to the Cardinals? Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, another, fun, another fun one actually, uh, in the sense that maybe things are a bit different than they were six weeks ago where we're not sure they're going to be in the market for a franchise quarterback. Um, and when I was looking at this roster, right before we get into, Hey, specifically, okay, what are we doing? Head coach GM wise and such. How in the world did they beat the Cowboys? That's, that is fascinating to me how this roster took the field against the Dallas Cowboys and, and won and won pretty convincingly. Like they had to really have not taken Arizona seriously for that to happen, but side quest anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like what the Cardinals are doing organizationally right now. They're a long way away personnel wise, but I think you stay with Jonathan Gannon. They're like a frisky uh, sort of just, dragging down into a bar fight type of team where they're obviously not winning a lot and they're not very talented. Uh, and I don't say that in like the Dan Campbell sort of really sort of downhill physical type of style of play, uh, because that's not what they do, but they really muddy things up and they're a headache for their opponents a lot of times. And I kind of like their style. So I think Jonathan Gannon, uh, you know, young head coach, he's going to be back. He's a defensive minded guy. And, sort of as an inverse to what we were saying with the Patriots, right? I think another thing that is important to consider since uh, at least in the direction I'm going, we're keeping Kyler Murray for right now, right? He's got a big contract. They seem to be um, excited about his future and what he can do in Arizona. So if you're keeping him, it's fine to have a defensive minded head coach. You already have an established quarterback with his own identity. uh, Who's had some success in the league, regardless of, the warts that have kind of surrounded him so far, which we've given a lot of discussion towards Um, you have that established quarterback. So you're fine kind of going with a defensive minded guy at the top here. So I keep sort of that leadership structure in place uh, from a head coaching standpoint and organization standpoint, and then move forward from there with the idea that we are going to build around Kyler, see how this goes. Um, And then depending on when you can, if things don't work out worst case, right by the time that contract is, you can sort of get out of that contract, probably the PlayStation six and, and Xbox series, whatever they call it uh, in three or four years will be coming out too. It's a perfect time to get away from Kyler Murray at that point, if it doesn't work out. Um, so for right now, just build around him, just increase or improve the overall health of the roster and move forward from there. You're not in a juggernaut division, by the way, uh, either well outside of, outside of one team anyway. So you do have kind of a clear path to wild card uh, playoff contention early on in this, in this, and I'm not even going to call it a rebuild. I'm just going to say plan, go forward plan, if you will. So yeah, keeping the head coach, keeping Kyler, and then just building outside from there. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. So I mean, Jonathan Gannon, you can go back and and look at things that I said this off, this past offseason about how he was a one-term rental. I didn't think he was going to do a great job there. I was definitely um, critical of the fact that he was only a coordinator for two years and it was on the defensive side of the ball. Um, But, you know, they believe in him, right? Like the players believe in him. And for me, a defensive-minded coach, that's something that's really important. So I really like that. 
Um, I'm keeping him. I'm keeping Kyler. And the thing that I like the most about this team is the foundation of youth that they have on their offense. You look at the quarterback. You look at McBride at tight end. You look at Michael Wilson and Hollywood Brown as your second and third receivers. You look at Paris Johnson. And I know DJ Humphrey isn't young, but like there are some good pieces on this offense that I agree with you, right? I feel like the organization has done a good job setting that foundation. And also they have multiple first round draft picks this year, right? So they have things that can make this situation even better. Um, and I agree with everything you said about Kyler. He knows his identity. You don't need to have this offensive minded head coach to make him work. So I'm excited about that. There's a lot of noise in the background. I hope you can hear it. I'm going to just keep rocking and rolling. We're good. It's um, a spider reproducing. <laughs> that's right. But what, what I don't like, I, I, don't like how the offensive has performed, right? I talked about how they have these young pieces and they do have a lot of good pieces, but it hasn't been this juggernaut offense. Yes, Kyler just got back, but it isn't, it isn't fantastic. And then just the lack of talent on defense. It, it has very little. So we need to do a lot of work there. But why don't you start me off, Ray? The only f- big name free agent I saw was Hollywood Brown. Are you keeping Hollywood? Are you trading him? Are you tagging him? You're letting him go, yeah. it sounds like. Brown's Brown's gone. Uh, you still owe me Joe's pizza from that bet we made about him having more receiving yards last year than Amari Cooper. Um, with no injury designation, I almost gave you an out and you didn't take it. So you owe me Joe's pizza. Uh, I've never been a huge Hollywood Brown guy. Uh, I don't really consider him as a dependable option whether he's your one or two, to be totally honest, splash play here or there, but he's not the kind of guy that I give a big contract to. So I'm going to let him walk. We have enough small kind of fast players on offense anyway. So I'm letting him walk. And that's pretty much the the only uh, player of consequence that's hitting free agency, like you said. So are you doing anything different or are we already set to move on to external free agency? So I think like the the injury history with Brown lately has been concerning, but he's still only 26 years old. Um, Kyler also is like a buddy of his, right? Like he wanted him there. So I think that like just letting him go is 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 not the best thing. I think he's a player I tag. And oh. the reason I tag him is because, again, you have the money to do it. So you're not worried about that. And you you help the relationship with Kyler. But if this next year ends up being another losing season, he's an easy player to just trade, right? And I think that there are a lot of teams that would give you at least a third-round pick for him because he's 26 know, years man. old. I think those days are gone. I don't think so. I think you can still get a third-round pick for a Marquise Brown. He's a, he's a good route runner. And you also have to remember, he's played like 90% of the season with backup-level quarterbacks and just really hasn't had any consistency, right? So I think you can. I do think you could get a third-round pick for Marquise Brown. But even if it's a fourth-round pick, it's like to me it's still worth it because of the relationship he has with Kyler. And besides that, because you don't really have a lot on the receiver side besides him, right? Like what makes them close though? Do they, are they close because, because, okay. But, but what about now? Like, are, are, are they on Tuesday nights, like on war zone till 1am and not looking at the playbook? And that's why they need oh, the no. calls. Like if that's why they're close, I don't want him back. I, I, don't. I don't. As the GM, I'm putting malware on both of their Xboxes. I'm okay. just making sure that they're destroyed before any time there's a game during the season. Okay. Jumping into right, free so, agency. So you're, you're bringing back Marquis. Sorry. I'm bringing awesome. back Marquis and jumping into free agency. They have $55 million to play with, which is a lot. It's not the most, right? We just talked about the Patriots who have almost 80 million, but 55 is still a lot. And I think anything you can do to help this defense, you do. Like it doesn't matter. Like, 
where it is, there's really not a position on this team where I'm like, now nah, they're set there on that defense. Like anything you can do to help that defense, you do. And the note that I have is you want to bring in one of the big names that are available on the defensive interior. So we haven't talked about Chris Jones yet, but Chris Jones is set to be a free agent. So is Christian Wilkins. So is DJ Reader. So is Justin. How do you say his last name? Matt BK. So you have four big name defensive interior players that are going to command big contracts. And I think you have to get at least one of them. You have to get at least one of them. And honestly, I'm throwing the bag at Chris Jones because you need a blue chip player on that defense. And he's a leader and he's not that old, right? Like we see Aaron Donald doing it past 32, 33 years old. Chris Jones can play for three more years. And I'm sure that he would accept a three-year deal with like 25 million a year guaranteed. And he'd be happy about that, right? Give him $75 million and he'd be psyched. That's a splash. That's a big splash. Um, anyone else in free agency before I go into mine? That's, I'm going to take, take, take Kenny Moore. I'm going to take a corner, um, a guy that does pretty well and has played pretty well. Um, I like, I really liked uh, the corner that they drafted this year. I'm blanking on his name right now, but out of Syracuse. Um, I was a big fan of his. And Garrett Williams. Garrett Williams. And he's actually playing really well. Um, he's the only one back, playing well. Right. Yeah. Coming back from the injury. So I think that I could put Kenny Moore across from him. And again, it's like, all right, so I have Chris Jones. I got those two guys starting to build some consistency, some decent foundation on that defense. But $55 million doesn't go that far. And I feel like if I'm bringing in Chris Jones and Kenny Moore, there's probably like everything else is just go add some depth on defense, go get some lesser named players and just kind of fill out the roster. Okay. What are you doing? I was, I was, I was a little more conservative because just because I wasn't sure like – you know, in this universe, are the Chiefs bringing back Chris Jones? Uh, are the Bengals really going to let DJ Reader go, our favorite player on the entire platform, right? Uh, are these guys going to actually hit the market? I, so One so of them you, probably will. You have to think that Chris Jones is going to be really hard for the Chiefs to pay a multi-year contract. DJ Reader, kind of the same thing. It's either like you're choosing between him or T. Higgins potentially, and then it's Christian Wilkins, and it's like, the Dolphins have just paid a ton of players. Like, are they really going to be able to pay Christian Wilkins? Maybe in this world where a lot of team, a lot of those teams are trying to act like the, the Saints did a few years ago, where they just kind of push contracts out so that they can keep these guys. But otherwise, like you have to think at least one of them is going to be available. Yeah, and that's probably fair. I was probably a bit too conservative with this. So I also did address the defensive interior uh, for these guys, but on a much different scale in the sense that I went out and signed Jonathan Hankins for a short-term deal, one or two years. Uh, I anticipate Dallas giving basically the reins to Mozzie Smith after this season. And Hankins has been pretty much an unsung hero for that defense. I mean, he's been really good against the run. Uh, he's, he's really kind of held things together in the middle there and doesn't really get enough credit because most run stuffing one tech defensive players just don't get that credit, but he's been a, Really big piece to their defense, uh, but they did again invest in Mozzie Smith in the first round uh, last season. So I don't think they bring him back on another deal once his current contract expires. And Arizona just needs all the help, all the help they can get, especially on the defensive line. Um, so you add uh, Hankins for, again, sort of a short-term plug for one or two years there, and that's a good start. I did think about Fletcher Cox in this situation also given the Philly connection that Jonathan Gannon has, which may also make sense. I'm just not sure if Fletcher Cox wants to continue his career or is he just going to call it quits because it is tough kind of going from 
a perennial contender right now in Philadelphia to uh, someone like the Cardinals. But then again, again, the Cardinals may, may be a pretty exciting team and a, a playoff contender as soon as 2024. So maybe he does give it a whirl. Um, but in this, in this scenario, I went with uh, Hankins, but I think along that same vein, whether you're talking a Jonathan Hankins or a Fletcher Cox, just kind of that veteran defensive interior presence in the middle there. That's more of a run stuffer, right? I mean, not some extravagant pass rusher or anything that's going to really command huge dollars. So we went that way uh, on the defensive line. And then at corner, we went and signed Kendall Fuller for three years, $42 million total. I think, again, that's kind of taken that from the from the spot track uh, projections also. And I think that's just a veteran corner that could just really solidify things on the outside. Just be steady because it's awful on the outside. Uh, Garrett Williams doing his thing in the slot, but Keetrell Clark and Marco Wilson have just not been good on the outside at corner there. And so you bring in someone like Kendall Fuller, who's a vet in that room who could also be good for someone like Garrett Williams. And then if you address that position further in the draft, it's good to have that type of presence at a position like cornerback. So my free agency splash, so to speak, is, is Kendall Fuller, uh, as opposed to you kind of went the, the defensive uh, line route. I did think about Kenny Moore in this scenario too, um, but because uh, Gannon also has those connections to Indianapolis. So I think that also makes a lot of sense. Um, but I liked Williams enough in the slot to where I felt like they needed some outside help and kind of a more, uh, just a more outside profile type corner. Not that Kendall Fuller's like, you know, six, two total outside guy, but, um, I, I just kind of went with Fuller there, given the profile for the outside, as opposed to someone like Kenny Moore. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And I feel like we're on this kind of the same page about what we did here. I think, you know, like I'll add a caveat, right? Like I'm adding these big name players to these teams because these are the teams that are at the bottom of the barrel and have the money to do it. So you kind of expect those teams to be the ones that are taking these risks by spending big money on big name free agents. So like, as we get to like the better teams, I probably won't be doing that as much, right? We'll be adding some of the, the lesser players. Um, but going to kind of trade away, right? I think I definitely need to be willing to discuss Bubba Baker at this point. You know, obviously he's been there a long time and he's a good locker room Bubba. guy, Bubba. <laughs> but what, you know, like Bubba? I like Buddha Baker better, but sure, we go with Bubba Baker. All right. But it, it's, it's, it's um, one of those guys that like you can probably get a nice return on now that probably won't be a long-term guy for you. And I'm frozen again, I think, Ray. So Love it. PS1 screenshot. You can hear me. As long as you can oh, hear yeah. me, I'm going to keep going. And then James Conner. I'll trade him for anything. If, you, if the team's willing to give me a seventh-round pick, great. Let's get James Conner out the door. All right. That's a guy who's done a lot of good for your organization, and you're just kicking him out the door. Um, yeah, I don't think anything of consequence. I actually just uh, kind of hold and serve with, with Buda Baker, keeping him around. So uh, he's actually not my favorite kind of player back there but it's safety not a lot of good ones out there he's he's doing all right i just kind of keep him around top of the hour christmas carol there you go um so yeah nothing really noteworthy for trades again maybe someone trades for some of those back-end roster players and such for day three picks but for the most part it doesn't really change the core of our roster here in this exercise so okay let's move to the draft all right the draft here we go um Third overall, right? That's where the Cardinals are currently projected uh, to pick. So we have Caleb Williams off the board. We have Drake May off the board. And uh, so, and you mentioned already, we have multiple first round picks. So 
even though we have a franchise quarterback already, given that the first two consensus, so to speak, quarterbacks have been taken in Caleb Williams and Drake May, I don't think anyone is going to be clamoring to trade up to third overall uh, to select anyone. So we're just going to take the best player in the draft, possibly at any position, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I could see the argument for Fashinu here, but uh, Harrison really is like the best wide receiver since uh, Jamar Chase to come out of college and perhaps even before that and, and beyond. So um, he's just a phenomenal prospect. So if you have him and Michael Wilson on the outside, I think that's a really good outside tandem at wide receiver. And then you still have uh, Rondell Moore in the slot. We don't have Hollywood Brown anymore. Uh, Rondell Moore can kind of go back to being a slot player that doesn't have an outsized role in the offense because there's no one else there. Now that we have guys like Wilson and Harrison with established outside receiver roles, you already mentioned that guys like Trey McBride at tight end also offer you really good skill position assets. So between Harrison, Wilson, more in the slot, Trey McBride at tight end, that's a very good skill position uh, group surrounding Kyler Murray. And none of them are on any big, any sort of big contracts either. So considering you are paying Kyler Murray, it's great to have that type of skill position core and yet not have a lot of money tied up in any of them. Yeah, I like that. And I'm going to do the same thing. And I, you know, you mentioned people might be saying, go get the tackle, but I think, you know, you have Paris Johnson, you just got him last year and DJ Humphreys is serviceable to the point where it's not a need and you have him on a, a few years, right? His contract is still, I think for two or three years. So it's not like you have to replace him soon. So I'm, I'm all for going and getting the receiver. Uh, we're in another situation. I might say, no, go get the offensive tackle. But in my situation right now, I have, I have Marvin Harrison. I have Michael Wilson and I, and I have Hollywood Brown. So I'm really excited about that receiving trio. And then just, you know, there's another first round pick there, like you mentioned, and I'm just going best edge rusher available. Right, I think that there's a good good chance that a Dallas Turner or a Jared Verse is available there. I'm taking either one of them. I'm happy with either. Um, I'm going and getting that edge rusher. I think you have to, have to, have to add to that defense because I think by adding Marvin Harrison, that offense is in a situation where it has everything possible to be a top ten offense. And if it's not, then then there's bigger problems, right? Like Kyler Murray's not your guy at that point. If 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 you are there, you have Marvin Harrison and you're not a top 10 offense, Kyler Murray needs to get pushed out the door, right? Because then there's a bigger issue at, at, at hand. So every single pick besides maybe one of my next four is going to be on the defense and I need to get that edge rusher, most valuable position on a defense. And I, I in this situation, let's go Jared Verse. I'm, Gar- I'm going Jared Verse. Interesting. Okay. So what you were saying for the last couple of minutes is essentially what every uh, Arizona Cardinals fan slash content creator was saying for the hour and a half or so in between my picks between when we drafted uh, Harrison to when we were back on the clock at pick 16. And we actually went and took JC Latham, the offensive tackle from Alabama, uh, People say it's six, six listed anywhere from three thirty five to three sixty. So take your pick very big, just a very big guy. Um, he's a power player, but he's still athletic. I like his upside. Uh, and this allows us to then take Paris Johnson, put him back at his natural left tackle position 
uh, have J.C. Latham uh, play right tackle. So now we have our bookend outside receivers in Harrison and Wilson, and now we have our bookend tackles in Paris Johnson and J.C. Latham uh, to build around moving forward. This is a guy who gave up just six quarterback hits since 2021 at Alabama. So over the last three seasons, just six total quarterback hits and one quarterback or and one sack given up in college. So uh, despite the size and being sort of a power player, he's, he's a very good pass protector as well. So um, there you go. That those are my bookend uh, offensive linemen or offensive tackles wow. rather. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I obviously disagreed with you because I said it a minute ago, right? So I don't have to reiterate that. I think with Latham, I talked about earlier how I think that he is a high level tackle in this draft. There are in my mind, three tackles that are, have the capability of being elite. And I think he's one of them. I will add that the reason I have him as the third and by kind of a long shot is because the size sometimes scares me, right? Like I think that you get into this situation where there's a, there's a time where you're too big, right? Like a Mackay Becton where they deal with injuries throughout their entire career because they just can't stay on the field. That's a concern. And I'm not saying that's going to be Latham. I hope that he has a very healthy career, but I don't know if I'm willing at pick 16 when there's edge rushers there that could be huge different makers for my team to go get a, a tackle that may not even elevate from the tackle that I have currently, right? So is there a guarantee that he's going to be better from day one or even even in a year than what we have currently? I think there's a question mark behind that, so I'm not going to do that. But I will say, I said that there was one other pick I was going to go offensive line, and that's with my first second round pick because – I want to show up that offensive line a little bit more, right? Yes, the t- having the tackles is great, but you need the interior too. And I think a guy like Graham Barton, I've heard he can play inside and he's getting first round hype, but you know, being pick pick two or three in the second round, I can maybe get him there or I could trade into the f- top of the first round and get a guy like that. And if he's gone, Troy Fatanu, another guy that can maybe play inside, I'm going to take a chance on a guy like that. Um, and if he and if they can and if they have to play tackle, just to your point, right? Maybe they're the tackle of the future that's going to replace a DJ Humphrey and can move Paris Johnson back to the left tackle position. So I'm happy to do that, but I want that position flexibility where I'm not having to just plug them into tackle and then Humphrey's a wasted contract on my book for the next three years. Okay. Uh, it's very hot in Arizona, so he's going to sweat out a lot of that extra weight, so I'm not worried. I consulted with my guys and cool, 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 lose cool, a lot cool. of water weight. It's great. It's great. Um, but okay, fair. I mean, Humphreys is serviceable, so I totally get the the other side of it. Um, I think if someone like Chop Robinson is gone, to me, there's there's a drop off between him and Verse. I, I think Robinson is that sort of just screaming around the corner, just bend, uh, you know, run the hoop edge rusher that is just unique in this draft and actually fits Arizona really well. But in this case, he was gone, so we kind of pivoted to uh, back to offensive line. So uh, for our second round pick. We actually made a small trade back with Atlanta from pick 35 to pick 43. And that allows us to pick up pick 75 uh, from Atlanta in the third as well. And then we went and took uh, Tavondre Sweat, the defensive interior player from Texas. I don't think he falls much further than this at all. Uh, Another one, it's just kind of the theme, I guess, of our last two picks, just a big, powerful player he can really sort of collapse the pocket and just muddy things up in there and just leave you really nowhere with nowhere to go on the interior so i i like him a lot as a player and we talked about the cardinals needing you know having a ton of needs on defense 
So we traded back eight spots to pick up another day two pick just to plug another hole because we could use we could use the extra the extra players. I like that a lot, but you know, interesting because the Cardinals currently have three third round picks, I believe. So you're getting a four third round pick, which is fantastic, right? That's how that's how that's how good teams become great teams because they add four third round players and two of them end up being really good starters and the other two become rotational players. And it's, it's a great way to build a franchise. So I love that. Um, I actually, for my third round picks, all three of them, I didn't pick a player. And the reason being is because, well, one, I'm not that deep into the film where I could just name off third round pick players that are going to make huge differences on teams. But the other reason really was because all I wrote was defense. You have three third round picks. Give me defense, defense, defense for all three of those. And preferably on the defensive line. Go build that defensive line. We added Jared Verse. Go get three other players that are going to be impactful in the front seven and just make that, again, build your strengths, right? Your offense is good now. You have maybe one of the best receiving cores in the NFL, Marvin Harrison and Marquise Brown and Trey McBride uh, and uh, some other guys. Go to the defense and build some strengths there. You need to get that defensive line in order. You need to build that as your strength because in today's NFL, there isn't a way to be competitive without having an offensive line uh, or excuse me, having a defensive line. So they need to go and do that. I didn't look at what the Cardinals have next year, but this really does seem to me like the year where they kind of have to put it together. Like last year they had, uh, you know, the pick to get their tackle. They have their franchise number one overall quarterback. Uh, Go get your receiver, go get your edge rusher, and then fill out the rest of the roster. And then you have your valuable positions, right? So that's kind of how I was building this team of, like you need to hit those, those marks. You need your quarterback, your tackle, your receiver, your edge rusher, your defensive interior, and then you need to get your corner. So I, I feel like I achieved most of that in this draft. And I honestly feel very strongly that the Cardinals have this draft to get that done. Okay. So we're, 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 I'm pretty much picking up what you're putting down because for all three of my third round draft picks, I went defense, defense, defense. Uh, I took quarter cornerback DJ James from Auburn, uh, be my first pick in the third round, uh, kind of a raw player, but he's athletic and has, he makes a lot of plays on the ball. And so I think someone like Kendall Fuller, uh, being the vet at corner in that room is really good for someone like him. So now at cornerback, we have DJ James, Kendall Fuller, and then we have Garrett Williams in the slot. Uh, so we basically completely revamped our, our cornerback spot, keeping the one really good player that we've had this season and Garrett Williams at his, uh, at his natural slot spot and allowing him to grow. Then at pick 73, I went and took Jeremiah Trotter Jr., the linebacker, uh, basically like to that. replace I Josh like Ward. that. Yes. <laughs> um, so not prototype size, not the stoutest, but in this defense especially, he's a really good fit. Discipline, can blitz, hit hard, uh, has a good feel for the position. Sometimes his limitations will hurt you, but way more positives than negatives to his game. And then pick 75 uh, took uh, McKinley Jackson. Actually, I'm sorry, because I have a fourth third round pick now. So my first three picks were defense. Um, McKinley Jackson, Texas A&M defensive interior, just another big body athlete there. So I'm just I'm just throwing big athletic bodies at defensive interior because we need it, right? We signed Hankins, then we drafted Devondre Sweat. Now we drafted McKinley Jackson, completely overhaul that room. Uh, and then for pick 80, I did go back to offense and picked guard Christian Haynes out of UConn. He can play guard or center, so there's some versatility there. Um, and so if he doesn't win a starting spot outright, right away, um, he yeah, versatility where he can back up any spot on the interior 
while he's in, you know, while he's in his rookie year, or whatever, kind of, kind of helps, uh, helps your roster that way. And he's a veteran senior with a lot of experience and a lot of, uh, or rather a high floor. So, um, yeah, to wrap it up, basically defense, 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 third round, but then I had that extra pick in the fourth to go get, uh, Christian Haynes. And while you kind of made the big splash at defensive interior, we, we basically ended up at the same spot with the Cardinals in a sense in that you mentioned hitting those valuable positions, right? Or the most valuable positions. And that's what we did knowing that we have Kyler to build around, right? So we both took Harrison Jr. We went ahead and drafted uh, JC Latham. So offensive tackle, obviously another uh, premium position. We each hit the defensive line uh, hard as well. And so again, it's just, I, I think really the only weakness that or hole left to fill that we have from from my standpoint compared to your exercise is because we went and we took jc latham at offensive tackle we didn't really address edge um at least at this point anyway for us and i mean they're not it's not it's not great it's not fantastic but i mean we do have uh zavin collins and victor dimikaji if i'm saying it right who again not not fantastic but you can play with them they're not going to be great um but if we have to worst case kind of hold serve for, for another year there and then really go hard at edge. Um, that's the last sort of hole to fill for us. And, and then we go from there. Uh, I think that's the main difference, but otherwise, yeah, we kind of hit all those, those high value points on the roster there to build around Kyler, shore up that offensive line, keep him upright and also really hit that defensive front and that secondary too, because it's, it's barren. I love it. I love it. And just give me all the players race out on defense. Those are, those will be my third round picks, but uh, people let us know what you think in the comments on YouTube. Let us know you've been doing it and I love it. I love the feedback. Uh, keep it coming. We need to hear it and we need to uh, have these discussions because I think they're important and that's how we all learn. So thank you everybody for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all 22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast and have a great day. And once again, I'm saluting invisibly. Love it. I'm a ghost.